Kia ora and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Extra Trials Football Podcast, the home of alternative football. It's a blistering hot day here in Auckland, New Zealand. It's probably a bit too hot to be recording the pod indoors, but these are the lengths that I go to to provide you with quality content. Um, it's been a surreal couple of weeks, actually. You know, we've had that COVID scare in the community. Thank God it's just a scare. Um, but what's more surreal is Swansea's form at the moment. What is happening down SA1, honestly? The Swans are flying. We're second in the championship. We've got the best defensive record in the Football League. And we've actually done some good business in the January transfer window. Honestly, what is happening, boys? Steve Cooper, you beautiful, ugly man. You're doing bits, mate. Honestly, you're making me believe again. Um, But before I get carried away, before I get too carried away, uh, we've got the small matter of playing probably the best team in England right now. If you look at the table, where the Swans this time next week will be playing Manchester City in the fifth round of the FA Cup. Joining me on the podcast, we've got a special guest today. He's someone that I've been meaning to have on the pod for a very long time, actually since day one, to be fair. Um, He's finally on here. He's a a true blue Mancunian. Pleasure to have him on. It's Mr. Christopher Edge. Yeah, good, mate. Like you say, it's bloody warm. One thing you said there as well, belief. I've had belief for the last 20 years and it is a painful thing in football <laughs> it's a really painful thing we've we've been so close and fortunately over the last few years we've, we've experienced some glory so hopefully for you boys it'll come this season as well you're absolutely <laughs> flying eh doing great mate doing great mate but this is all about Manchester City today because we've not had a City <laughs> fan honestly mate when we first started this whole podcast journey about two and a half years ago you were definitely one of the first guests we wanted to have on the pod, but for some reason, it just never happened. But it's finally happened tonight. Um, yeah. Two years down the track, we're finally here. And yeah, I just want to hear everything about you, mate. Like, um, you've moved to New Zealand. Um, are you a Kiwi now, or are you still a Manc? Um, I'll always be Manc. Manchester's the best city in the world. Um, but uh, New Zealand, Auckland definitely holds a pretty special place in my heart. But um it's just not the same having the football, the football time viewings are awful. Um, <laughs> so I think eventually one day we will return home. I've still got my Manchester City season ticket. Um, uh, I go with my dad and my brother. That's sort of, um, I've had the, I've been lucky that my brother's friend, my dad's friends have purchased it over the last couple of seasons. So they're keeping my seat warm for me. <laughs> um, but eventually it'll be there for, for me to go home to. So yeah, we'll definitely end up going home. But yeah, definitely a mank through and through. Let's, uh, let's hear from the beginning. So um, you're from Manchester. I mean, is it a choice, really, when you support City or United? Or is it based where you're from? Or is it family? Like, how did you pick City? Um, as a Manchester City fan, I'd say that if you're from Manchester, you support City. Uh, all United fans are from outside of Manchester. That's a bit of a, <laughs> an inside joke in Manchester. Um, no, you're born into it. Um, my granddad, my granddad's dad... Um, We've always gone together as a family. We've always had been fortunate enough to have season tickets. Well, fortunate enough is a funny word when you're in League One. I know you've experienced that. Um, yeah, so we've always gone as, as a family um, and it's something I've grown up doing over you know, my weekends, be it at home or away. As I got older, I started to travel around Europe a little bit with my brother. Um, and yeah, absolutely live and, live and die city. Love it. Do you remember your first game? Um, you know what? I had this conversation a, a, a few a, a few um, a few days ago with my brother, and he reminded me that it was against Charlton. I didn't actually know, um, and no, I, I don't 
Uh, it was absolute chaos. I must have gone when I was about two and a, two, two years old. My dad <laughs> used to used to have turnstiles, and my dad had sort of put me underneath his jacket, and he'd, uh, he'd sort of give a rip off ticket, um, and we'd, he'd sort of usher me through, and I'd sit on my dad's knee for the first couple of years. But um, no, I remember the atmosphere. I remember smelling cigarettes in the air, which has obviously yeah. been banned since. Um, but but now a lot's changed since those <laughs> since those early days. Thank God. That was that a main road, was it? Yeah, yeah, main wow. road. So we're there obviously till till the start of the two thousands, um, and yeah, that was a a bit of a different setup to what we have now. However, the the atmosphere was electric. It was you know, um, in the UK, there's heaps of terraced housing. So there's this stadium in you know piled in the middle of this terraced housing, um, and obviously Ball Lake to park and walk to. But it just meant that there's streams of fans <laughs> piling through this uh, through the streets, and it just calls for an amazing atmosphere really as you were approaching the stadium. And yeah, I do sort of miss those days to be honest, because the atmosphere <laughs> in the modern stadiums are a little bit uh, yeah not not quite as good in my opinion. Yeah, we'll talk about your new stadium in a bit. But um, <laughs> talking about the you know the the dog days, I like to call it in the nineties. You know, City. Yeah. Uh, you were in the, the first Premier League season and then it just, I don't know what happened really. You went down all the way down to Division 2, in, uh, which is the third tier or League 1 today. A yo-yo club for a short while. Um, again, just um, we were the noisy neighbours. Um, we basically lived to have a, a derby a derby win against United. That would be the highlight of a season if possible. Mm. Um, but yeah, we yo-yoed up and down the leagues for about, yeah, you know, for, for quite a while, 80s, 90s. Um, just fortunate enough that, yeah, we were we were the chosen ones and um, it's all paid off long term. But yeah. yeah, we were absolutely awful. I remember, I can't remember what season it was. It must have been oof, mid-2000s or, yeah, mid-2000. I think we scored nine nine goals at home all season. So wow. it was a pain season to get hold of. It was, uh, <laughs> it was, a, it was a pain in the ass, but Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure how old you, mate, but like um, I looked at um, highlights. It always pops up every now and then. It's the 99 Division Two playoff final at Wembley. City versus Gillingham, the mighty, yep. the mighty Gills. Uh, their manager was uh, Tony Pulis. Uh, his oh, yeah. name's going to feature a lot on this pod. So um, Tony Pulis <laughs> is the manager. And uh, yeah, you guys, um, it was a drab game for most of it until the, the, well, the last 10 minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, Dickov dragged us back into it. Um <laughs> I think that's sort of, to be honest, where, it, you know, we might not be here having this conversation about City if that wouldn't have happened. I think, like I say, that obviously kept us afloat, more or less, um, you know, a playoff final. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't think that, obviously, we'd have had the investment we did if we weren't a yeah, premiership yeah. club at the time. So Massive game, happening. though, eh? Like, um, Huge. Like, Nicky Weaver in goal, uh, Paul Dickoff, <laughs> you had Sean Gota, like, uh, Andy Morrison was captain that day. Yeah, there's some yeah. there's some horror some horror shows in there, some absolute <laughs> throwbacks. But yeah, I do. Um, Nicky Weaver holds a pretty special place yeah. in my heart. I, do, I absolutely love the man. Again, just um, <laughs> back in the days when footballers were smoking and drinking after the games, quite often you'd bump into him in the pub, um, you know, after after the final whistle. Mm. Um, and it doesn't really sort of surprise you that their, some of their careers went downhill. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I know him and him and Richard Dunn, that would have been early 2000s as well. Would right, have, yeah. um, they were pretty pretty big drinkers and smokers post, post-match. We used to bump into them all the time. Um, let's talk about that shirt behind you, mate. It's a classic. Beauty, it's a beauty. It's, uh, I'd say it's absolutely my favourite city shirt. Um, 
yeah, it's a, it's a stunner. Unfortunately, it's a little bit too small for me at the minute. Otherwise, that would have been on me. Um, piled on a few pounds during the during the off season, but yeah, that's a it's an absolute stunner. And again, an absolute dick off glory moment saved us, made us who we are. <laughs> Let's talk about um, like for you because you're you're a hardcore City fan, right? Now roll on a few years, you you went to the Premier League and I think you got relegated in your first season, but then you came back up again with Kevin Keegan, and then you've stayed up ever since. Um, 2007, so that's when the first takeover happened. What was it Thaksin? Um, oh, Chinawatra. That's it, yeah. The, <laughs> wasn't he the Thai Prime Minister? He's a Thai president, uh, yeah. and, he, oh, and he got um, exiled for, <laughs> you know, for stealing money from the company. It was all sorts of dodgy business. Um, but yeah, he really started, he, he got the ball rolling. Um, and again, he's a bit of a cult legend, to be honest. Is he really? Yeah, oh, yeah, we love him. Absolutely love him. But yeah, he's. Uh, I think he's a bit of a naughty man. So, um, what do you what do you remember of that time period? Because like, um, he brought in Sven. I think he's the first foreign manager that City ever had. So, first of many, actually. Is that, is that a, a fact? Mate, I've been looking all day on Wikipedia trying to study <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, wow, that's, Doing my that's research. Um, yeah, Sven, 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 Goran Eriksson. Yeah. Um, Crazy times again. We just sort of had no, um, like you know, the probably the Sylvan Distan days. Um, we had a, a bang average Premiership team with a, an ex England manager. So again, spoke about hope as a, as a City fan. We when we got an ex England manager, we thought crazy things were going to happen. Um, it didn't quite work out for Sven, um, but you know, we we held our, our Premiership place I suppose yeah sort of stabilized the club a little bit from being that yo-yo club um and I suppose sort of gave us a decent foundation to build on so yeah taxing is a <laughs> is, is a great man <laughs> so um after after Sven uh Mark Hughes came in uh, in 2008 and there's not the only new addition to the club the Abu Dhabi takeover happened didn't they yeah so yeah when so quite a funny story in Manchester whenever we talk about when we heard Abu Dhabi had taken over the company, we actually, about 50% of Manchester City fans thought we'd signed Abu Dhabi from <laughs> Arsenal. Um, nobody actually knew what the hell was going on. Uh, I don't think anybody really could understand. Um, yeah, it was absolute chaos. And yeah, you know what it seems like? It seems like yesterday. Oh, my dog's going crazy. Um, seems like yesterday, to be honest, mate. But yeah, when uh, Sparky came in, Mark Hughes... Uh, he made a, a few good signings. Oh, I'm trying to think. You you might have better. I think yeah, yeah, Toure, he the Craig, him, didn't he? Yeah, um, the yeah, yeah. Craig Bellamy, Craig um, uh, company. Uh, Vincent, for Probably sure. Probably the biggest um, signing, I think. So, yeah, again, um, he was an absolute pillar at the club and oh, goes without saying, he's an absolute club, le- club legend. Um, beautiful that he also married a mank. That's a, a, <laughs> a, a nice Carl as a, a, a mank girl, so... Um, but yes, um, I really like Mark Hughes. He's, yeah. he's a bit old school in comparison to Pep. But uh, again, he gave us uh, an amazing foundation. Um, and the likes of Bellamy, who, again, a bit of a, a football league shifty. I don't know how many clubs he had. He had heaps. But absolutely love Craig Bellamy. Um, Carlos Tevez, yeah. absolute legend. Uh, the Adebayors, these are all yeah, amazing <laughs> players. I don't know. I'm trying to think exactly who came in under Mark Hughes. But yeah, Vincent Company being the absolute yeah. highlight of the bunch there, for sure. 
did you feel like something was happening at City? The big jump was obviously winning the, the title. Yeah. Um, obviously, in the dramatic fashion we did. Uh, again, I don't, it's one of those things that we're having such huge issues in the Champions League at the minute. And until we get a final under our belt, it, it just feels like it's never going to happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, certainly once you know, once you start signing players that you're actually excited to go and see, <laughs> not you're searching on Football Manager to see, you know, how fast they are. Yeah. Um, obviously, it builds builds excitement, and yeah, that just um, yeah culminated obviously in the the, the, the Premier League winning season. We need to talk about that, mate. We're going in depth about that season. Um, <laughs> so before that season, I think it was the the 2011 FA Cup final, right? So that was your first mm. FA Cup final in a long time, mm. first major final since the 70s. Um, you're up against Stoke City, Tony Pulis again, as names mentioned again. Um, uh, you know the famous goal, Yaya Toure scored the goal, one nil at Wembley. Were you there that day? Yeah, I was there that day, and I think I think we went to was the semi against United. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there was a yaya, quite a good yaya goal there as well. But yeah, we were um, we were there. I think we the, the ball lake is when when you when you're in Manchester is obviously traveling traveling down to London, and they always put them on Sunday afternoons. It is an absolute <laughs> nightmare. Um, but yeah, we we'd have traveled down for both the semi and the final, um, and yeah, again, what a feeling. It's sort of, it sounds spoiled to say, but those um, Wembley trips are, have become much more frequent now. Yeah. But obviously the first one holds a pretty special place in your heart. Um, and yeah, I, like I say, we'd never been before. There's a, a pub called The Green Man at Wembley. And that's now a city pub. So every time we get to a final, we go there. <laughs> and I just remember, yeah, getting there the first day and it was um, the first time and it was absolutely bouncing. Amazing atmosphere. And actually, we met, who did we meet in the... Uh, Oh yeah, we got in the we got in the piss with um Kevin Horlock. Really? Yeah, he, so, he scored the goal in that the Division Two playoff we talked about. Before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So again, a club legend. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's nice, you know, when you see some of the old boys that have finished up and used to play for the club come back and come back and watch. Yeah, because it it genuinely there's a obviously a <laughs> a myth I'd say about us having no fans. When we were in those lower leagues, we were still turning over 30,000, 35,000 gates. You know, at Main Road. Yeah. Um, and I think that sort of has built a huge connection for those players that when we were shit, you know, still have an amazing relationship with the fans. And then, um, yeah, quite often you'll see them pop up in the crowd. So it's always good to have a, a beer with them, at, you know, in a way day or something. Yeah, it's, it's good that you mentioned that, actually, because um, I want your take on it. Like, people take the mick out of City. They've got no fans and it's always empty there in the stadium. Is there like two factions there for City fans? You've got the, the fans that are there, main road, the old timers, and then you've got the, the new fans that have come since the takeovers. Um, and, 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 you know, is there a faction between, you know, a hardcore diehard City fan and a plastic City fan that's just jumped oh. and they've only experienced the good times? A hundred percent. And so us having no fans is a myth. And I stand by that. Look at these facts that speak for themselves. And I, I hate it every time someone <laughs> says I'm a plastic. Um, but no, there is. When when you're at a, a game now, you've gone from, um, I'd say, mid-2000 period, when we were a bang average premiership club, our gates, we just moved into a new stadium. We had 48,000 seats and we probably weren't selling out every week. We've gone from a 30,000, 32,000 to 48, whatever the numbers are. And yeah, yeah it, it was a, 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 there was a slow building period. Um, now, when you go to game, so I spoke about not giving up my season ticket. 
for the first time in the club's history, if I gave my season ticket away tomorrow, I'd be on a 10-year waiting list. Really? That's never, ever been the case. Um, so, <laughs> obviously, the more popular be- you become, you have a lot more tourists. You see people in the crowd with their yeah. phones. <laughs> and again, that does definitely affect the atmosphere. Um but then, obviously, the, the way that the stadiums are shaped, you have an away end at City, um, and we basically, we're in the corner, obviously, either side of the away end, we're on one side, mm. um, and the atmosphere there is electric. At certain parts in the stadium, where there probably would be cheaper seats, or we have a family stand, the atmosphere is absolutely awful, and it would be filled with people who have travelled from overseas and got a cheap ticket to come and see Manchester City because they just want to tell their friends, you know? Yeah. Um, but again, when you've got a Kevin De Bruyne and Aguero, you know, of course people are going to come and see, of course you're going to get those touristy fans. Um, but there's definitely still a, a huge diehard group of, I'm, you know, all my mates at home, um, are, are absolute diehards, and they're going to the game every week with the same groups of people that they went to the game with 20 years ago. Um, so there's definitely still, you know, those diehard group of fans, mm. um, 100%. I remember, um, I've actually been to the city of, oh, what was it called? It was the city of Manchester. It was the city right? of Manchester. That's Stadium, right, when yeah. they first opened it, because they opened it for the Commonwealth Games in 2002. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I, I went to the closing ceremony. Who, oh, played, who played that like Top Loader, Dancing in the Moonlight? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At the time, it wasn't a big song, but I mean, it's, it's big now. <laughs> You know, thanks to that movies like you know Four Lions, <laughs> <laughs> absolute classic. Um, yeah, I remember it. it was half. Oh, I think there was one end that wasn't built up, was it for that game? Yeah. So when we first, I'm trying to think back when we first moved into the stadium. I think it was two tiers. Yeah, and I think they actually dug down another tier, so twenty meters maybe, and, mm. and added that extra tier in. Um, but yeah, the stadium was nowhere near finished, even for our first kickoff when we first moved in. There was, there was heaps. It went on for about a year or two until yeah. it was um, until it was. Can you talk about like um, the shift from Main Road to the, the new stadium? Like, in terms of location, were you happy where the new stadium's located now? Um, y- yeah, one hundred percent. In a t- in, in a way that it's much more accessible. So. Yep. If you're talking about, I don't know, the Sky Tower being the centre of Auckland, we'd be where Wynyard Quarter is, okay. you know, so maybe a 15, 20 minute walk out of the Piccadilly Gardens is the centre of Manchester, so a 15, mm. 20 minute walk. Um, I, I love to remind United fans that they're about an hour and a half walk out of the city state, out of the <laughs> uh, out of the centre of Manchester. So we class them as a Salford club, not a Manchester <laughs> club. Um, but yeah, and you know what? A, a massive thing that goes unnoticed with, certainly with our owners, is a lot of people talk about how we've ruined football and, mm. you know, we've spent so much money, which we obviously have. But the owners have actually invested so much into the infrastructure of the club. They've invested into the area. So it's in Ancoats, which is a pretty rough part of Manchester, or it was. Um, and what they've done to the local area um in terms of you know giving youth opportunities and investing in um, housing for for disadvantaged people um, and even you know the actual um, the the training facilities that yeah. they've built are absolutely insane. Um, so yeah, a lot a lot of that goes un- unnoticed and untold in the news and stuff. Um, but yeah, what they have done for that area, um, the city group is actually it's actually quite amazing. What's your take on the um, the Amazon documentary series? 
<laughs> love it. Yeah, you love it. <laughs> I, I, I think it's questionable letting anybody in the dressing room to start with. <laughs> um, but for a, somebody who just lives and breathes it, it is genuinely so interesting looking at the inside of a football club, you know, knowing what goes on at half time. Um, you know, you've got your your typical Delph rant and yeah. somebody who somebody who is I wouldn't have ever considered, uh, you know, a particularly important part of the team. It's it's amazing to show the character and understand the character that he had. And, you know, he obviously had quite a big input into the team that if he's going to stand up and give them all a bollocking. Yeah. Um, and every team needs that, you know, even I'd imagine maybe a James Milner at Liverpool, never going to be your best or your starter. but. Um, yeah, I think it was a really cool way to to understand exactly what goes on on a day to day. I I I thoroughly enjoyed it. You watched the Spurs one? Um, no, I haven't. I've watched bits and bobs, and again, I've not watched the Sunderland one in its entirety. But I do yeah. plan on doing it at some point. I'm uh, not a huge TV watcher. Eh? Really? Yeah, no, no, not, <laughs> not so much. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I do plan on watching it at some point. See what um, Mourinho gets up to. <laughs> Uh, it's a good watch, mate, but it's sort of it is a bit fabricated. I think. I mean, yeah, you okay. got to you, you got to live up to the camera. So a lot yeah. of there's a lot of plot. Uh, I got I hate to say plot lines and stuff, but it, it pretty much is scripted. Mm, okay. There's a few scenes where the guys are like eating their breakfast and that in the canteen, and they're watching Sky Sports News, and they're like, comp, you know, they're like talking about transfers and stuff like that. I'm like, I think the players are just like normal people, aren't they? They're not going to talk about that. They're going to talk yeah, about well, Love Island or something. Do you know what I mean? And that's and I don't know. Maybe I was watching it with blue tinted goggles, but I didn't actually feel that with cities. I thought that it was a yeah. I thought it was quite a genuine approach, and I, I hope that people think the same. But yeah, I um, yeah, that's that's funny. You know, it's funny. My um, my brother. So my brother's twenty eight, twenty nine. Um, he lives back in Manchester, and through friends of friends, he ended up um at Marcus Rashford's a few. <laughs> we're talking months ago now. Wow. Um, and he was watching a football game and he said he was actually, so they're watching it in a bloody, you know, state-of-the-art cinema home theatre. And it was maybe Liverpool, it was one of the top four that were playing. And he said that he was genuinely, like, pleasantly surprised at how much it meant to a player like Rashford. Um, Lingard was there, Luke Shaw was there. Wow. And they were watching one of the top four team and they went 1-0 down. Um, and he said these boys were absolutely buzzing. So it was, yeah, you know, really interesting to hear that perspective. Yeah. You know, even though they do get paid a load, it obviously means a lot to these boys as well. So mm. yeah, it was a yeah quite an interesting story. What's your take on um, Marcus Rashford's like his his whole um, <laughs> you know the whole can- uh, the food stuff you know with the school dinners and all that stuff? Um, <laughs> obviously, it, it's amazing. Um, and raising awareness for, you know, disadvantaged children, um, you can't possibly knock it. There's there's no way, there's no way around that and good on him. However, yeah, that's, that's all I'll say on the matter. I I, I think first and foremost, you are a footballer. So (laughs) start producing results in my opinion, but I mean, he's done an amazing job. He's raised awareness and, um, he's, now talking to you know politicians about things that they can do differently and how they can improve the process in the UK. So yeah, 
good on you. I still hate you. You're United. You're United <laughs> player. You're United boy. But well done for what you've achieved. I suppose that's the most political way I can answer that question. That's a very diplomatic answer. I, I, I like that. I like that. <laughs> but no, he's done. He has. He has done an, yeah. an amazing job, and um, mm. it's it's a huge problem. Obviously, what's going on in the world right now, um, and. If he makes a minor, you know, changes it by 5%, then he's done an amazing thing. Yeah. So, yeah, good on him. No, fair enough, fair enough, mate. Um, all right, let's talk about that season because, like, one of the questions like, I, I usually ask people, like, what is your favourite game or favourite goal? But I think for you, it's your favourite season, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. pretty. it's a pretty spectacular one. One game I will mention, though, uh, a childhood favourite game would be... Um, uh, we were 3-0 down to Spurs. I think it was the fourth round of the FA Cup. Uh, again, mid-2000s. Yeah. We were 3-0 down to Spurs. Um, Joey Barton at half times pissed off. Has a word with the uh, referee in typical Joey Barton fashion. Um, gets himself sent off, walking down the tunnel. And then in the second half, we, we won 4-3. So that was, uh, from a one-game perspective, away from 11-12, that would definitely be a high highlight. You've got the likes of uh, John Macken, I think Sylvan Distan goal, uh, a Paul Bosvelt goal. So yeah, there's um, a few few throwbacks there. So yeah, outside the 11-12, that would definitely be a, a, a huge highlight. Um, but yeah, that season, oh, amazing. You know, when you talk about, it sounds pathetic and my fiance go nuts if she heard me saying this, but you talk about an individual moment um, in, in a lifetime, that yeah. Aguero goal, man, is just... Pfft, I, I just don't know how it could ever be topped. And, you know, it was pure ecstasy within 10 seconds. You're actually, we were on the pitch going nuts. You know, these announcers, get off the pitch, get off the pitch. Um, but yeah, in terms of the build-up to that game, anyway, sorry, I'm getting carried away. Every time I think about it, it's a, yeah, it's a, a genuine life, life highlight. And think about how lucky, you know, we've had a hundred plus years of club history. Um to be there at that particular moment. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm the luckiest luckiest guy ever. Um, but yeah, in terms of that season, the one one game which really shaped it was, was with my brother, Newcastle away. Um, yeah. And there's a, we'd struggled and Yaya Torre got the ball about 25, 30 yards out. And he just, I think it's cruel in that he just sort of curves it past cruel into the bottom corner. Um, and I think at that point, I think there was four, four or five games left. Yeah, and that was the moment where we knew this is happening. <laughs> this is actually going to happen. Um, yeah, uh, the Yaya Torre goal. What a player, by the way. Oh my god, yeah, what a man. Player. Um, I mean, but- uh, let's talk about the. I mean, the season itself. So um, this is where the Swansea and City connection um, starts. So <laughs> the first game of the season, it was our first ever Premier League game away at the Etihad. Uh, we end up. We held City for a good hour or so, and then um, Jacko scored, and then Aguero came on for his first appearance. He scored two goals, and then they went down. We went down four nil in the end, but you know it was promising signs for us in our first ever game. I thought we competed quite well actually, despite losing four nil. And then rolling over, um, City. I think it was United. Those the, the pace runners that start that season, but they got a draw, yeah. I think, with Liverpool, which opened the door for City to come in. And then obviously that that game at Old Trafford, the 6-1. How big was that result? Um again, never, never forgotten. 
there's there's so many moments throughout the season. Even the, the six one, of course, it's just um, <laughs> everything from the the David Silva through ball. Um, yeah, just a just a glorious result, one that will never be lived down. Um, and dear God, I hope they never return it to us because I, I couldn't live with that. But yeah, um, amazing amazing result. Um, and the Balotelli, <laughs> why well, it's me, you know. Yeah. There's, there's so much, there's so much storyline to it that um, what a character he was. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a, a, a huge moment. The David Silver through ball, though, is, like I say, it's an absolute highlight. It's beautiful. He just gets it one touch out of his feet in the air, bang, and then yeah. uh, Jacko runs onto it, slots it past the gear. Beautiful. It's, it's always beautiful. nice beating your your rivals, but I mean, battering them at their home ground, you know, when, like. <sighs> Hundred percent. It's again uh, when you have United fans talking about City having no fans all the time, and I think when that six went in, there was about twelve people left in the Stratford end. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful image. It's gorgeous. Oh, so I'm obviously skipping other games here, but you went all the way. I think you were top of the league all the way till April until you <laughs> until you played the Swans at the Liberty. And we beat you one nil thanks to Luke Moore. I remember the goal like it was yesterday. Luke Moore, really? Luke That's Moore. Hilarious. Of his noggin. He's like right. literally the only thing that he ever did for the Swans, but he's obviously remembered <laughs> for that, Jimmy. So, uh, and I think I'm, I'm right in saying this with six games to go, United were eight points clear. Yeah, correct. How did you overtake that? It's a, it's a great comeback. Yeah. Um, it was theirs to lose. And, Sure enough, they did. Uh, it's it's a weird situation when you're, as a football fan, you just sort of, you don't lose interest, but mm. you're like, oh, we've blown it again. Um, and yeah, it's just a string of results that just played into our favour. Again, this season's been quite similar. You know, at one point, yeah. Liverpool were five points clear. Then up until December, United looked like they were going to mount some sort of challenge. Then we've gone on this mad streak, which obviously we did at the tail end of that season. And uh, we're back in front. But yeah, we just put a series of good results together. Um, and sure enough, we were lucky enough to get that, get the get the result, which was um, huge, huge <laughs> for the club, obviously. So tell me about the build-up for that game. So uh, were you top of the league at the point, like going into the game? Uh, so it was, we, we, we needed, we need, if United won, we needed to win. It was level on points and it was down to goal difference. Yeah. Um, so... You know, United were away at Sunderland. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, a foregone conclusion. Uh, I think everybody sort of knew what the result was going to be there. So we went into the game knowing that we'd also have to win. Um, like, were you, co- were you confident? Because like it was QPR uh, managed 100%. by Mark Hughes. One hundred percent. I think they're in the relegation zone that, that day. I think so. They, they so, were. They 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 like battling for their lives. The beautiful moment. The beautiful thing about that day was that. QPR needed to win as well. That's and, right. Yeah, uh, it was in in those. There was maybe two or three different scenarios that could have happened whereby we would have beaten QPR and they'd have stayed up. But results happened that that was the case. Yeah. So at the tail t- at the end of the game, we'd obviously won the league, and they'd survived even though we'd just beaten them. And it was like this beautiful celebration <laughs> from bro fans where they just lost the game, but they were going absolutely nuts with us because because they they yeah. survived. But yeah, going into the game, I don't think anybody had. Um, it was a, a foregone conclusion. Zaba obviously opened the scoring. That's right. Yeah. Um, I think Kenny would have probably been in nets at the time, um, and then from out of nowhere, mate. Yeah. You know, 
typical city we're thinking oh my god it's happening again this is a nightmare um we find ourselves two one down with 10 men um, right because joe barton got sent off <laughs> it was an absolute scandal an absolute scandal Do you look back at the highlights and think what is joey doing like he must be thinking he must wear a city shirt under his QBR well, shit in, because it's a stupid in, red card to give away. You're two on that. Interviews, interviews after the game, he, his thought process was obviously just like, well, we're, we're going down. I might as well bring someone down with me. So <laughs> he's there, you know, it's, it, the bloke is an absolute fruit cake. He's a, he's a nutter. <laughs> um, he was actually a really talented footballer though. For a, yeah. for a long, for a long time in a city shirt, he was comfortably our best player. Um, but again, just a, an outrageously poor temperament. Yeah. Um, I think he's I don't know where he was managing but I think he's recently been sacked or uh, Fleetwood yeah Fleetwood it was yeah yeah. yeah. Did, um, he get, he got, did he get done um, what, what happened did, I'm trying to think of what the situation was but it, it was outside McDonald's wholesome. right it was outside yeah, McDonald's he was drink driving or something and then some kid like asked for an autograph or something and then he, he punched him the bloke's a muppet he, <laughs> I mean these, these stories when he's at City of you know putting a, the playing darts and one of the youth players comes over and yeah. says something to him and he puts a dart out in their face so, you know some, yeah the, the, the bloke's a balloon but yeah um, thank you very much Joey you, you've played into our hands that day and you know even on the pitch you had um, uh, Ned Manua again yeah. Manchester boy yeah. um, Shawnee Wright was on playing right wing and mm. I shit you not they were almost giving us the ball back to to help us. It yeah. was the most bizarre experience ever. Um, yeah, this this one where it was two all and it got booted down to Joe Hart and he gathers it and it actually comes from Sean Wright Phillips. He had the ball and he probably had twenty yards of free space in front of him. It's almost like they just wanted to give us the ball back and yeah. give us a chance. So um, yeah, God, the way it sort of transpired <laughs> was just. <sighs> You know, it's, yeah, unbelievable. Funny as well, I think that's Balotelli's only ever assist in a City shirt. Is it really? Um, so, yeah, quite a, quite a, <laughs> a good one to remember. So, like, yeah. think, of, think of everything that Balotelli's done in his career and the amount of times he shot when he shouldn't have shot, he should have passed. But that time there, he, you know, I mean, the one time he's not selfish leads to the probably the greatest ever goal in your club's history. <laughs> Like, pure, pure talent. Imagine, imagine he tried to shoot from there. He, he slipped anyway, but yeah, yeah. You know. yeah. <laughs> a, again, there's, there's a there's a, a preseason moment in right, the yeah. US, and then Balotelli goes through one on one, and he sort of does like a bit of a Maradona with a black back heel. Yeah. You're thinking, I think um, Mancini at the time just brought him straight That's off. Right. Said, I can't be watching that. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. Again, a, a, a super footballer, horrendous attitude, but in that particular circumstance, holds the ball well. Slips, falls back, and then um, plays him through, and yeah, mm. it's a stunning, stunning moment. How many times do you, you think you've ever, you've watched that goal? On um, I've watched the full game. I'd say probably a hundred times. Really? I've watched the goal a thousand times. It. I've, I follow all sorts of. Um, I get a lot of my transfer news from City following you know City um, Twitter pages. Yeah. Um, and like uh, Manchester even news reporters. Um, so it gets retweeted on my feed, you know, every other day. So yeah. I always take the time out to watch it. Though. I never, ever skip it. <laughs> no way. That's beautiful, That's beautiful, mate. That's beautiful. Um, <laughs> let's talk about your favourite City players growing up. Obviously, there's different eras of City, you know, pre-takeover and post-takeover. But what, who's, who was your idols growing up? Um, without a doubt, 
Sean Wright Phillips. Mm. Um, he would be... Um, so I think Shawnee Wright came through when he was... Uh, played from us from 1999 through to... I think his first thing would have been about 2007. Yeah. Um, and yeah, in those first eight years, he was probably our only player with a bit of quality. <laughs> he got, you know, he's getting England call-ups. Um, so yeah, definitely Shawnee Wright. Um, uh, who else deserves a mention? Probably probably Weaver. I played in Nets as a kid, so definitely Nicky Weaver. Um, Richard Dunn was always a household mm. favourite. He was... Absolutely hopeless, loved an on goal, but um, he was a bit of a stalwart for us. Um, and then even through to, you know, the likes of a, a Mika Richards. Back, mate. Back in business. Fuse, fuse, <laughs> fuse issues, sorry. <laughs> few technical fuse. issues here, mate. No <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, mate. Um, yeah, we were talking about your favourite players. So I think it was uh, Micah Richards uh, was the last yeah. one. Yeah, I did reflect on it a little bit. So I'm, despite looking about 45, I'm only 26. So my <laughs> earliest memories would be, you know, the likes of uh, Ayl Berkovic, um, uh, Gerard Vikings, um, Alfie Harland, come come home to City Harland, come home to City, please, <laughs> my boy. Um, but yeah, I suppose I mean that would have been you know four or five years old when uh, Ali Benabia, these sort of players. Um, but yeah, I, Sean Wright Phillips would definitely be the first City player that I could say I actually enjoyed watching. Um, and then sort of from that from him then it's always the homegrown boys you know the yeah. likes of uh, uh amika richards um you know going all the way through to even a michael johnson uh the, the <laughs> yeah. boy wonder who could have had so much and oh. he actually looks like a, a steak and cheese pie nowadays um <laughs> through to obviously now phil foden every time he scores for the club it feels like we've scored two goals and it means so much and um yeah, you know, these are the players that you wanna you wanna you wanna see. But yeah, Sean Wright Phillips would one hundred percent be my first um my first love love footballer. That's a good little segue actually. So let's talk about like the present time now, City. So you've got Foden. Um what part of Manchester is he from? Uh so he's from Stockport, he's the Stockport. Oh Stockport, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So that's yeah, that's sort <clears throat> of, you know, south southeast Manchester. He's yeah. twenty minutes from the stadium, sort of thing. People don't really know this because it's like, you know, for Kiri's living here, they think London and you've got Birmingham and stuff and Manchester and you've got two clubs. But like there's a plethora of clubs in Manchester, you know, football league clubs, you know, we're looking at Rochdale, Oldham, uh, Bolton, Bury, you know, formerly Bury. Um, yeah. Bolton, you've got Wigan and obviously you've got your other market towns beyond Manchester, the Lancashire clubs, I suppose. Everyone's heard of yep. Burnley and, and Preston North End. But, yep. you know, it's a lot of, lot of choice there, you know. Like for, for you, obviously, City is your, you know, if, if he weren't supporting City, where's the nearest club to you, the football club? Okay. Or football league club, anyway. Or non-league? Geographically based for, for where I grew up, um, Man- Manchester City would be, league club would, would be the, the nearest league club. 
Um, otherwise, probably in Altrincham. Oh yeah, okay. Um, Stockport County at one point. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. They were in league football. Um, I think they're what conference, you know, the, the top levels of the conference mm. now sort of fighting away back. Um, but yeah, probably um, probably in Altrincham. It's funny, whenever I whenever I start a, a FIFA season on manager <laughs> mode or a football manager, I'd always go with Altrincham. Really? Um, there's no point being city too easy <laughs> uh, it's too much too much money apparently um but yeah i'd always start with altringham and um try and convert them to champions league within 10 years sort of thing you know um so yeah ulti would be my, yeah. my secondary club probably what was your what was your take on like um the whole bury you know um liquidation last season you know what what's your take on that yeah it's just sort of sort of just shows the way football's gone Mm. And the 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 money that exists within the Premiership and the Championship, is, you know, <laughs> the grassroots investment is has mm. disappeared. There's, so my, one of our local towns at home, Glossop North End, yeah, um, right, yeah. you might not have heard of them, um, but they're at the minute they're trying to. Uh, they've got 580 young players across 35 teams throughout the ranks, and they're trying to fund a one point five million dollar you know pitch and i actually i clicked on their gofundme page before and they're at, they've raised you know a million pounds sort of thing wow. like a load of money um but yeah I, I do sometimes sort of look at it and go why isn't more done to help these clubs um because you know phil foden at one point i know he's, that's a bad example because he's been with city from so young but you know heaps of english players wouldn't have been picked up until they were you know teenagers yeah um so, yeah, and you look at our England national team and why we've never succeeded. And again, it's down to this this reason of there isn't enough funding in, in those lower leagues. Mm. Um, and Barry's just a, a real sad state of affairs. Unfortunately, one club of, you know, probably more to come, certainly mm. in lost revenue gates. Yeah. These lower league clubs, they don't have the TV rights that we have. Um, I think who were who was the, the Liverpool club who... Um, someone played in the FA Cup recently, and I think Jamie Carragher sponsored the ah uh, Marine the game Marine, yeah, of course, yeah, against yeah, Spurs, yeah, hard. So, and there were virtual tickets. So I thought it was an amazing incentive because these lower league clubs—that's literally how they survive. If they don't have a gate turnover for these bigger games, yeah. Um, but yeah, Barry are just a victim of the times, unfortunately. It seems we've already spoken about um, the managers that you've had, and long came Pep Guardiola. Come on, Pep. <laughs> what a man. He signed a extension, isn't he? Yeah. Um, I don't know if it is just lifting that Champions League. I don't know if it's a vanity thing at this point yeah. for Pep and he's not going to leave until it happens. But the longer he stays, the better. And some, some Manchester City fans out there need to look themselves in the mirror sometimes. Some of the, some of the things I was seeing at the start of this start of the season mate. my brother and my dad they were the same really just it's like keep the faith it will come good and sure enough yeah you know we've turned it around this season and hopefully we continue this this, this amazing run yeah. but um yeah peps an absolute god he's he's a man he's sort of revolutionized football and yeah you know i'd, I'd, I'd hate to one of the lads i work with supports newcastle and some of the football that they're playing at the minute it's appalling um you know a sam allardyce club just lump the ball up win a yeah. header and try you know we 
I have the pleasure of genuinely watching some stunning football. Um, and that's all down to Pep single-handedly. He's a he's a he's a beautiful man, beautiful bold man. Because <laughs> you come in and obviously you know the centurion season and then you mm. know the, the four domestic was it the four domestic? It yeah, the English domestic quadruple, first, or isn't it? The first time it's ever been done. Yeah, yeah the, the the domestic quad. Yeah, yeah, that's something out of FIFA, isn't it? Really? Yeah. It is, and again, people, um, it's so fickle, man. It's the worst sport in the world for it. You string a few runs. I even look at a Frank Lampard, you yeah. know. The, the man's, again, stabilised the club. You've just got a, a very wealthy owner who's not backed him. I honestly think Frank Lampard, Lampard would have done good good things. They've just gone in a, a very poor run of form. Yeah. Um, and he should have been given more time. Um, but yeah, obviously, with Guardiola's history, you know, his, his management career sort of speaks for itself. Um, uh, if we were to sack him then who the hell are we going to bring in so <laughs> exactly. I'm glad that we've got an owner who believes in the process and trusts yeah. him and um, I can only hope and pray that maybe this season or next season we have some Champions League success that would be the uh, the crown in his jewel uh, yeah. the jewel in his crown for sure yeah so like obviously he's, he's won everything else in England but the Champions League's the one that has eluded him like why has City struggled in the Champions League uh, um I don't know, and if anyone knows, I I literally implore you to go and tell Pep Guardiola because it's killing me. <laughs> um, I, I honestly think so. First of all, the only thing that I would ever really fault Pep on is we'll have five six games on the bounce, and we'll play. You know, Cancelo, great signing by the way. Yeah. You know, playing these expansive um, Zinchenko on the left, Cancelo on the right, and half the time they're playing central midfield. Um, and then we'll win five, six games in the bounce and we'll go to Real Madrid in a quarterfinal and he'll try and overcomplicate it. Yeah. And I honestly look at it right now and, you know, Barcelona, we take them for for example, they're going through an awful spell as a club. They're literally, you know, the worst Barcelona's team we've seen in years. However, I can almost guarantee that if we drew them in a quarterfinal, Pepper changes shape. And yeah. I just cannot understand it. I hope and pray that this season is the first season that he backs us fully. Um, because that, that's all it's been it's been down to tactics in, in those big moments in, in Europe on top of a mentality thing that you know a lot of people had so- probably pushed towards which I don't necessarily mm. buy into you know you're talking about players silvers who who've you know won the World Cup for God's mm. sake yeah. you cannot tell me that a semi-final is, is that you know scary for him Um but yeah, that was that would be my only criticism of Pep is in those big European games, we've changed shape and changed our style a little bit and we've played into opponents' hands, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I hope and pray going forward that he, yeah, he stands by the, the team that are winning week in, week out and he, he, he plays the same. Yeah. Let's um, talk about this season. So, you know, it's a very, very roller coaster of a season in the Premier League. Um, you know, anyone could beat anyone. You know, out of nowhere, City have come out of, you know, I'd say under the radar. And it's quite funny me saying that because City, you know, what they are. But like under the radar, no one really gave them much of a hope, really, when United were top of the league for, what, two minutes. And um, it looks clean sailing right now, I think, honestly. Like, it's going to be very difficult to stop City right now. It was a 5-2 pumping by Spurs. 
which sort of looked like uh, the final nails in the coffin for our, you know, any sort of title hopes that we had, which was just ridiculous at the time. In <laughs> yeah. you know, the media, you read things on Twitter like saying everybody gets so carried away. We were what eight games in or something, and we got we got pumped. Um, we were shite on the day. They were much better than us. But mm. to, to say that, you know, it's not going to be our season that early on is ridiculous. Um, I, I, I know it sounds ridiculous. And again, maybe I look at things in with blue goggles, but I honestly always thought going into the season, we had a chance. What Liverpool have experienced is what we've experienced over the past few years. Yeah. Is people come to our stadium and put 11 men behind the ball. And then I hate him so much. Jamie Vardy will score on the break <laughs> nine times out of ten. It happens to us. It happens to us. For, it happens to us all last season, and Liverpool have started to experience that a little bit. Um, obviously, losing Van Dijk was huge. Yeah, but um, yeah, that that five-two Tottenham game was a bad moment, but we've recovered so well from it. And mm. um, one word, Diaz, he's just been an absolute revolutionary. He's a twenty-three-year-old lad who. You watch him from corners and he's grabbing people by the shirt. He's pushing them. He's just holding a shape and he's barking orders. And um, yeah, for a 23-year-old, that is just, you know, so exciting for yeah. the next 10 years. I, I, I read something the other day that, you know, been at the club a week and they did a, a voting for the captaincy and he received eight, eight votes and nobody knew who he was. They just sort of picked up on his vibes and how he sort of commanded himself in training. Really? Um, but again, the, the the effect that Van Dijk had on Liverpool, he's had on us. Um, and the stats, again, are there to prove mm. it. I think we've had something like 17 clean sheets in our last 23 games, something outrageous. Um, and again, they always say defence win titles. So I don't know why it shouldn't be our year this year, to be honest. Yeah. The way we're playing. i got to say, one guy that I think deserves a lot of credit would be John Stones. Like He's picked mm. up you know, this season. I think he's back to where he was at Everton. Well, we're talking about a fifty million pound centre half, who about six months ago I had honestly written off. Yeah, I'm talking. You know, if we can get thirty million for him, let's cash in and reinvest. And um, you know, we had players like an Eric Garcia who mm. wants to leave the club, but you know, he's looked like a young talent. He's playing for Spain. Um, now we can't get anywhere near the team. You know, we've got Nathan Ake. Um, and Laporte, who John Stones is is holding out of the the, the team, and yeah. you know to his own merit, you know him and um, Diaz have been absolutely sensational together. And I, I hope he he's certainly mounting a claim for for an England space. So um, yeah, he's been um, yeah the way he's turned around this form is full credit to him and his character, I suppose. Yeah, let's talk about um, are you in the League Cup final. Uh, yeah, we are we're in all tournaments at the minute. I'm just trying to think who we're playing. Um, I have to have a quick Google. Yeah, I, but we are we are in the League Cup final. It's in March, and isn't it? It's very late in the season. Yeah, yeah, it's been delayed. Um, is it Spurs or something like that? I've got. A oh feeling. yeah, you're right. You're right. It's Spurs. Yeah. Is it Spurs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, City Tottenham. Yeah, 26th of April. Yeah, I mean, you're in that cup uh, competition. I mean, the FA Cup, mate. Where, where do you see yourself? Uh, how far do you think City would go? Because it's a pretty good draw for you guys. Or I mean, if you look at who's left. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you get past us, though. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, the mighty fans. I was looking at the team earlier. It's, uh, uh, Andre, are you? Wayne Routledge is still knocking around. Yeah. Um, Matt Grimes. 
he's scoring a he's scoring yeah. a few goals at the minute as well. Yeah, so I mean, he's... it's gonna be an interesting game, mate, because like no one looks at our defensive record. Like we've got a joint. I think we're joint with City, but I think we might have had more clean sheets actually. So okay. So we've only conceded what 13, 14 goals all season in the league. So we've got okay. a solid defense. Um, it's just scoring goals is a bit of a an issue, really. If Jamal Lowe don't score or Ayu don't score, we don't win. So I, yeah, I think okay. we'll, I think we'll take you guys all the way to Pens. Oh yeah, that's the only way we're going to win. <laughs> well, it's funny because um, he's very respectful, Guardiola, throughout these competitions. He always plays a you know a strong team. Yeah, um, and. Again, you're talking about a strong defense. You know, I sort of look at the other end, and we've gone, we've done a full 360 from or 180 from where we were a few years ago, where we couldn't stop scoring to not scoring enough. Um, you know, Aguero's out, Jesus isn't yeah. really, you know, hitting the mark at the minute. So it could be closer than than a lot of people think. Um, you know, we're relying on goals from our midfielders, from a Foden. He's our joint top scorer yeah. um, at the minute, and you know, Sterling's not really. Well, he's he's out of form. It's that simple. Um, so it could be closer than than a lot of people think. I just um, I would always back us though, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you watched the the last time we played you yeah, in the FA Cup, but we got robbed that day. We what score was it? We lost. Uh, what was it three two? I think it was. Oh we were, really? When we was were that? Two, we were two, uh, it was like two seasons ago. So first season in the championship oh, yeah. with Graham Potter, we go up two <laughs> 0 and then. Um, Scored the looking at him on YouTube, like the best goal ever. It was, um, Bruce and Selena scored against uh, City the second goal. Oh, yeah, brilliant finish. And, um, yeah. the problem is, mate, we got robbed that day. You know why? Because there's no VAR at non Premier League oh, maps. No. That is this year, mate. So, like, oh, who was no. offside? Aguero's offside and Sterling dive. So, that's why he won. <laughs> <laughs> that was a quarter final, mate. It looks like you lost a bit of sleep over it as well. So but the problem is here's though, your time for revenge. Well, thing is though, there's no well, no VAR at the Liberty, so we'll probably get done over again. That's a good thing, mate. VAR is killing this game. It's absolutely grim. It's minging. Well, I hate yeah, it. yeah. I mean, between you and Spurs, isn't it? It's always uh, contentious, then, isn't it? VAR. I just, I just think that when they sort of, you know, they brought in the whole goal line, um, you know, technology. It, away from the one cock up, obviously with Villa kept Villa up. Um, it, it's a pretty perfect system. That was an absolute one-off, and it's pretty black and white. Although it goes down to millimeters, there is a way of proving it or disproving it. And with the VAR stuff, even you look at some of the, um, you know, some of the offsides, and you're talking, they're literally talking about shirt sleeves, and you're going, unless it's to the naked eye, it, it's, that isn't what it's here to do. It's mm. literally killing the game. I've been in the stadium when I went I went home, um, obviously not Christmas gone. Um, it would have been Christmas 2019. Yeah. And um, we I, I caught three games of that season. Obviously, well, well, I was home for a couple of weeks. One of them was Wolves away. We went 2-0 up in the first half, had a man sent off and lost 3-2. <laughs> um, but in the stadium, mate, it just kills the, it just kills the atmosphere. It's an absolute, it's a disgrace. And, you know, you've got fans in the stadium who are finding information out, even though they're there live, after people at home watching. Really? And um, yeah, and it's just not really, yeah, it doesn't really incentivize. Like a dodgy you. stream, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, mate. You know, you've got wow. Gary Neville breaking it down for you and, you know, for people at home, yet you stood in the stadium scratching your head going, what the hell is going on? 
So even now, you know, I speak to my brother and dad, they go, even when we score, we don't celebrate now. Really? We did it against Spurs in the Champions League, the, the Champions League semi. <laughs> you know, we've, we've, a handball from out of nowhere. We've, I've gone up on, we're actually on a cruise around the Pacific Islands. I was, my dad was over and we were watching on, um, there's a, a sports bar on there and we were watching and we went mad. Um, and then true enough, two minutes later, it gets ruled out for oh, no. literally brushing someone's arm. So yeah, I'm a big advocate against, not against VAR, but until you have a perfect system or mm-hmm. something which works 95% of the time, don't use it, don't integrate it. Yeah. Um, because it is killing, it kills the soul of the game. <laughs> Are you club over country or you, you better? Oh, um, a 100 billion percent club over country. Yeah. I'm not a huge, um, controversially, not a huge England fan. Is it an English thing? Because I can never find anyone that supports England over the club. So I think growing up watching City in a period when we were awful um, and watching, you know, the Uniteds, the Liverpools and for a long time, less so under Southgate, to be fair, you know, the likes of a Mings has come in and had yeah. been given opportunities. But watching United and Liverpool, it was a given that if you played for these clubs, you played for England. You look at uh, Tom Cleverley. Mm. The guy's a championship footballer. He always was. He was just there at United at the right time when they had a midfield shortage and he played for United. So therefore, he played for England. He was <laughs> never good enough to play for England. And it's happened countless times. Mm. There's so many examples of it. You know, it's it's so frustrating. And for that reason, um, I, I say that one, when we're in the World Cup, I get behind them. Yeah. But, you know, the friendlies are awful. Um, I don't find, think we're a particularly good team to watch. Um but yeah, for that reason, I'm not yeah. a huge England advocate. I'm definitely club before country. No, oh, interesting, mate. Interesting. So, like, let's say someone like Foden, like you've got a, a qualifying bloody Andorra or something. Like, if if it means that he fakes an injury to not play for England and then he's fit for City on the weekend, like, would you be happy with that? One trillion percent. Mm. Yeah, I would much favour that than him. If you ask me right now, would would I want Foden to ever play for England <laughs> or be fully fit for... I'd rather him never get an England cap. Yeah. <laughs> and just be fully fit for the rest of his career for City, 100%. I mean, no doubt. based what happened in um, in Iceland, I don't think you have to worry about that, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. True. Uh, oh, God, I don't know. We, um, what, what was the well, banter like with that, mate? Oh, awful. Awful. It's the... <laughs> I just don't I just don't understand that it's so frustrating watching them to be honest yeah <laughs> so frustrating oh god um did you ever think like growing up you know that the the swings or the balance of Manchester would be in City's favour you know um yeah it is and and no simple answer no we had a you know a revert to like a a Nicholas and Elka you know, know, these one-off players who we sort of, you know, who came in and, and meet you, yeah. <laughs> who came in and set the club on fire and, you know, made <laughs> it really exciting um, and were genuine match winners, but never, you know, never thought we'd be anywhere near where we are today. And, um, yeah, you know, it's amazing that it's in our favour, but who knows what will happen in 10 years, maybe yeah. the, the balance will swing. That's just the nature of football. Um but we do have our, you know, the infrastructure, the way that the the shakes sort of shape the club. Um, we should, in theory, have a good string of talent coming through. Yeah. Um, 
you know, even a, a Sancho who unfortunately we lost out on. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah. There's been a few good players who've come through. So um we're sort of moving in the right direction for, you know, a sustainable sort of yeah. club anyway. For you, right, is the Champions League, that's the next thing, right? That's the next step now. Like how do you get to that level of getting into the Champions League final and like winning it? We need a 26-year-old Sergio Aguero. Um, and I think that is our, uh, I re- again, refer to a Haaland mm. um, and Mbappe, just we, preferably a Haaland. Um, <laughs> we just need a goal scorer. Um, at one point, you know, I look back and we had, at one point on our books, we'd have had um, Dzeko, yeah. Tevez, Aguero, Balotelli, even a, a Jovetic. Yeah. Um, and I look at it now and I go, we've got a 33, however old he is, Aguero. Jesus, who pff, looks brilliant or awful. He's one of those players you could play him for the first five minutes and you will you could either sub him or keep him on. You know, mm. you'll understand from the off. Um, but we need a fully fit striker ASAP. I'm amazed that we've not done any business in Jan. Even there was talk of bringing in a Checo back on loan. <laughs> but you know what, stupid? The amount of times I watch us, mate, and I'll get see balls be you know, pinged across that, you know, the, the six yard box from a, from a De Bruyne. Yeah. We just need somebody stood there who's got that natural instinct and a Jekko on a six month loan to play in the, the, the FA Cups or the, you know, to, to keep Aguero fit at his yeah. age would have been a, a good option in my opinion, but we've not done it. And I, I hope, and I believe that we will go pretty big in summer. Um, and, you know, like a, a Messi. Have a, mar- a marquee <laughs> signing. Yeah, I mean, Messi would be... Well, a- yeah, let's talk about that, mate. <laughs> Messi. So, like, how, how close do you think City were to getting Messi in the summer? Um, I believe we were actually really close. Yeah. Um, obviously, you've got the Pep Guardiola link, um, Aguero and uh, Pali. Um, and I, I think it could have happened. And I think it potentially could still happen. Mm. Um, it's not necessarily the sign. Would I love to see the top three, one of the best players in the history of football in a city shirt. Yes, it would be comedy gold. And I would, <laughs> I'd literally love to see it, but is it the player we need right now? No, 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 no. It's uh, again, <laughs> Harland, a young, a young striker is going to do the business like Aguero has for the last 10 years. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk about like your life here in New Zealand. So, you know, like everyone here that follows football, it's a ball's ache to watch football. I mean, unless you support the big clubs, I mean, where you get the nice, you know, morning kickoffs and that. But for me, like, it's always a three or four, four a.m., three a.m. kickoff, you know. So, like, for you, like, how have you adjusted to life in New Zealand watching uh, City play? Um, this is the first season that I've missed a City game live for twenty years. Wow. Um, and it just got to the point where work's been super busy and justifying a a 4am wake up for a city West Brom (laughs) who stole points from us at home Um, (laughs) just haven't been worth it I've probably watched maybe I've probably missed two games Mm. Um, but like you say generally we are quite lucky that if it's a half five I think our next game's half five Saturday um, uh, Monday morning sorry then I can sort of overlap but it is a nightmare and Mm. You know, if if it's a Sunday, so Saturday night, Sunday morning kickoff at 3am, I'd probably just get on the piss. 
and uh, wait for the kickoff. And we're lucky, like you say, that we have Spark Sport, so I can watch it from the comfort of my sofa now. Whereas at one point, I'd have been probably the only person sat in the fox with the cleaners <laughs> cleaning around my feet. Um, but yeah, Spark Sport's been really good for it. And um, yeah. yeah, I catch, like I say, 99% of the games really at this point. Have they fixed it, mate? Because obviously I don't watch Spark Sport because we're not on it. So, mm. I mean, have they have they fixed the, the troubles they had in the first season? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty painful when, um, oh, what's it called on Fort Street? Um, the other sports bar. Uh, when you're in a, one of these bars and they're obviously sharing some sort of you know internet connection the streams are painful and they're cutting out every 10 seconds <laughs> when you're at home though if it's just you on the stream it's been well, yeah, yeah spark spark pretty good it's amazing as well how <laughs> you're on the other side of the world and you get access to all 10 premiership kickoffs every single week whereas at home i'm used to growing up and only having access to you know uh, for half five Saturday kickoff and Super Sunday, which would be two or three kickoffs. So yeah, um, yeah, we're pretty spoiled for choice over here. To be honest. <laughs> do you um do you play football still? Uh, uh, I play sevens. Yeah, yeah. Um, th- Thursday nights at St Peter's College. So oh, Magic Athens yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with a with a group of um, with a, a I think we're yeah we're all English one Irish lad actually but a, a big group of English lads we, we have a knock on a Thursday and go for a beer after oh nice one Greg's up the week man love it yeah I mean uh, when you got to venture into the Levin side mate um, I did play a little bit of 11s about six months ago um, and it sounds daft but just giving up a, a whole weekend day um, was, it didn't go down well with the missus. We just got <laughs> we just got a puppy as well. So, um, but I'd always be keen for a, for a knock. Yeah, I do. I'm doing. I love yeah. my footy, so always be keen. Nice. Are you playing? Ah, oh, we, we try and play, mate. We try. <laughs> <laughs> it is really interesting, actually. The um, the uh, without sounding, yeah, the the standards in football from. Like a, a Saturday Sunday kickoff in the UK, you sort of versus a Saturday Sunday kickoff over here. <laughs> the, di- the difference in football is remarkable. Yeah, <laughs> Re- remark it's remarkable, honestly. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's interesting. What's your take on New Zealand football? Like you've been here long enough now. You know, there is a misconception right around the world that you know, rugby is a national sport here, which to a degree it is on the face value. But when you look at the stats, like more people do play football here. A lot more kids do play football here. It's just, it's just that when it comes to the professional game, we've got one club called the Phoenix, a franchise, mm. which I can't be asked to be honest with you. But then the national side who don't play <laughs> like games, they don't play enough games. I think the last time I saw you, mate, was the Peru game, wasn't it? Yeah, the, World, the World Cup qualifier. It's literally one of the yeah, last games yeah, they played. It was, it was like yeah, two years yeah. ago. That was that's yeah, that's saying it all, you know. Like but yeah, football was. is popular. People do love it. It's just like I'm not sure if there's an expat thing where we look at Kiwis or look down on them and go, ah, oh, this guy's a plastic. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think <laughs> in, in the in the UK, it's just like um, you go to uh, um, well, you go to school and you you only play one sport. Mm. So you either play from 11 years old, you either play football, you either play cricket um, or, or rugby, basically. Yeah. And you just stick within that boundary. Whereas it seems like you, here you, you have lads turning up in bloody, you know, rugby jerseys and they're out <laughs> playing at seven aside. It just doesn't happen that much in the UK. If 
And if you shit at footy, you don't show up to a seven-a-side game. Yeah. Um, whereas here, it's probably people just enjoy it more and don't take it as serious. Yeah. We we have a horrible reputation at our <laughs> within our setup because some of our attitudes when we start losing is is actually embarrassing. It's appalling. <laughs> um, but we just take it more serious, I think, and uh, we get into it. Yeah, getting on. <laughs> oh, that's good, mate. That's good, mate. Um, how how long do you see yourself in exile, mate? Um, in terms of. Out of the UK, out of, out of Manchester. <laughs> um, things change all the time. Obviously, with what's happening at home, it's a shit show with COVID. Yeah. Um, we probably planned on going home about six months ago, mm. um, but now we've applied for our residency. My partner got a new job, so it pushes it out an extra an extra few years. So probably try and get a residency um, under our belt in the next three years. Good man. Um, and then, and then look at what's going on at home, really. But uh, what's going on at, at home isn't going to yeah. sort itself out overnight. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, um, you'd be swapping that three lines for the the silver fern soon, wouldn't you? Yeah, oh, you, yeah, happily, <laughs> literally happily. But you're looking for a striker. Chris Woods available. <laughs> uh, yeah, nah, we're all right, thanks. Really? I'll take a, I'll take, I'll take Harry Kane over Wood. Really, you take a, a forty-year-old buddy Jacko over Chris Wood, banging <laughs> the goals, mate. Yeah, he's, he's actually uh, he's, he's doing all right. He's, he's he holds his own. Eh? He's ten a season, mate. Ten a season. But that's what more can you ask, mate, from a striker in the Premier League? <laughs> what more really? can you ask for? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. Well, um, we'll leave it there, buddy. Um, I'll give you the last words because it's been great to have you on. It's taken us two years, but it's yeah. been worth the wait. Um, Hopefully, I get to see you down the Fox sometime. I mean, I'm not sure if they're going to show the Swansea game. Probably not. Mm. But um, if they if they do, then I'm, I'll definitely see you down there. Good man, excellent. Okay, um, yeah, I was I was I was for the I was for the taking this season. So come on, the Blue Boys. <laughs> All right, Top nice man. one, nice one, buddy. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Extra Trials Football Podcast, the home of alternative football. Um, we're back again. Come on, the Swans, let's do them. Back <laughs> it down. <laughs> Best of luck, bud.